Welcome to the podcast of Imago Day Community, where we are convicted to help bring the whole gospel to the whole person, to the whole world. Join us in this Sunday service as we look to the scriptures, seeking to be transformed into the image of Christ. Very, very cool. After 10 years of doing that, um, there's times where Love for like you feel like, oh yeah, this is the day that we go spread bark dust and kind of check it off. But every year, uh, the stories that come back are really powerful, as Josh has said. And from principals who are like breaking down in tears, saying, I just, I don't know what to say, uh, to students, to parents, uh, to city officials and superintendents who are like, we, we can't believe that you keep showing up. Like it's one thing that you did it once, but when you're on year nine, year 10, we heard from a few principals, like it, you just keep showing up. And the fact that we can count on it means so much. And so it's, it's, a, it's a great day. Um, it, it's, a, it's not an easy day, but at the end result, it is really a tangible way to love Portland. But it's just a beginning point. And it, it really is sort of an entry point collectively, but it also opened doors for smaller groups of us to engage Portland at different levels. Um, Well, we are glad that you're with us today. Turn with me to Joshua chapter 1. And um, I spoke at at the east side just now, and uh, I drove in, and they were wrapping up announcements slowly waiting for me to walk in, which was, it was pretty awesome. I'm like, you guys are never on time for anything. And then today, you chose to be on time. So, uh, but man, it's so, it's so exciting what God's doing on the east side. It's packed wall-to-wall people. Uh, we're looking at moving into the high school out there, uh, hopefully this fall. And God's doing huge stuff on the east side, so keep praying for them. And um, one of the things that, that I want to talk about this week, and it's kind of a a bridge into the next series that will start next week on the Holy Spirit is really the idea that God has uh, so much more for us. I know that sounds trite. It could even sound tired. But the, the reality is that God has, like Scripture teaches this very clearly, God has given you every promise in Christ. Christ's treasures are your treasures. But we take hold of those promises one faith step at a time. That's how it works. Uh, And and the reality is that the spiritual life is a journey, and and you've heard this metaphor before. And as, as much as we like to think about it that way, most of us default to kind of a passive faith. A faith that, like, attends things, knows things, but in terms of really putting action and stepping out in trust on a daily basis, that kind of faith uh, is rare for a lot of us. If it, what I want you to do right now is, if the spiritual life is a spiritual journey, I want you to think about where you're at on that journey. For some of us, we might be at the very beginning. We're looking at the path, this narrow way that Jesus defined and invites us to, and we're trying to figure out if we actually want to go down it. For others of you, you might be in a deep descent, and you're at a scary point in your life, and it feels like fear, or pain, or loss. 
Other people have been on the journey for a while and they have kind of walked off the path and you're sitting down and you're not really actively on the journey anymore. You're maybe tired or disillusioned. For others of you, you're at, a, you're at a mountaintop, you're at a vista, you're looking out and it's beautiful and it's great, and, and those are sweet times and you need to cherish those times. But where are you at specifically on this journey? If you could visualize that. The journey of faith that God calls us to is, is a journey that says there is always more of God that he wants to give you. There's always a next step, another place to put your foot, like there's more of God. Nobody here has exhausted every blessing that God has for you. Like A to Z, yeah, I did that five years ago, it was super good, totally recommend it. Um, nobody here has done that. There's always more of God that he wants to give us, and yet, for most of us, we don't necessarily engage God that way. And so what I want us to look at today, and I want you to leave here today convinced of, is that God has more for you. Wherever you're at on this journey, God has another step for you. And I believe that for you personally. I believe that for us as a church family. There is a new season that we're living into as a faith community. And, and there's always change as we grow and we learn and we discover. And I believe God has more for you personally, as more for us as a, as a church family, as more for this city. And, and people often say, look, you know, I really miss Imago back in the day when, when we first started. And we've had such favor from God over the last 16 years, from our living room to now. But I think to myself, I liked it way better then too. Uh, mostly because I was 30. And, and that was great, right? But what we do is we, we hold on to those moments, those great seasons of the past, the promises of the past, but we hold on to them in hope of the future so that we can walk by faith in the present, right? We don't live there and camp there and turn around from this journey and go, man, can we, how do we get back there? We, we remember. We remember God's faithfulness, his provision, the way he worked in our life, and then we look forward to hope and his promises being fulfilled. And in the present, we by faith trust him and step out knowing that there's more that he wants to do in your life today. And so look with me at Joshua chapter 1, and we're going to look at Joshua 1 and Ephesians 1 to kind of get a picture of what this looks like. Joshua 1. This, is a, a, this book opens with Moses dying, and they're going to enter the promised land. And here's what, what it says. Joshua 1, 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord... The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. 
That's an important verse. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert of Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn from it to the right or to the left. That you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. For the people of Israel, they had a moment. And it was 40 years prior to this. Twelve people went into this land that was promised way back when to their father Abraham. And he said, now the time has come and you're going to take possession of the land. The problem is, this land is occupied. And there are large, giant type people in this land. It's too big. They're too big. They're more powerful. They're more forceful. And the 12 spies go in to check out the land. Two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they come back and they see the land through the eyes of the promise. And they say, we should take this land. We should trust God and act in faith because this is exceedingly good. The other ten say, listen, the land's great. Like grapes the size of baseballs. Really awesome. But there are giants. They will kick our tails. We should not go. And they, they bow out. If they're on a spiritual journey, they look down at the ravine or up at the sleep at the steep hill, and they go, it's too much, and so I'm going to quit walking. And they spend 40 years on the sidelines, waiting to die in the wilderness. Now a new generation is here, and Joshua and Caleb, who were 40, are now 80, and they're going to enter the land, and God is telling them, everywhere you put your foot is going to be yours. Now they're going to possess it slowly, gradually, but they're going to do it by faith. One city, one space at a time. And when God calls them to go to Jericho, and Jericho is this big city, it's fortified by walls, and they are outnumbered and outgunned. And God says, look, but here's how you're going to do it. You're going to march around it a bunch of times, then you're going to blow trumpets, and the walls will come down. You know, typical military technology right there. When God calls you to act by faith, you're always walking in this incredible risk because you're trusting that God is going to show up and God has to show up because if he doesn't, you're done. But there's also action to it. Get up. Get ready. Get the people ready. You're going to inherit the promise today. The question becomes, do you want it? Do you want more of God? Are you satisfied in the wilderness 
Are you satisfied with just a peek, just a taste? Or do you really want all that God has for you? Because everything that Christ is, he is to you. Everything that he has, he's given you. His father, is, he shares with that father with you. His father is your father. His spirit is your spirit. His life is your life. His purity becomes your purity. His strength becomes your strength. Everything that he has, he has to give you. He says, my treasures are your treasures. Do you want them? Look at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3. This is kind of a New Testament uh, commentary on basically what Israel was taking in terms of physical world. This is the New Testament version of that in a sense. Um, chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. How many? Every. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ. In accordance to the pleasure his pleasure and will to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us with all wisdom and understanding. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth. And, and on and on it goes. And the picture that Paul paints for the people of Ephesus is that God has more for you. That all that Christ is, the treasure of Christ, He has given to us. Every spiritual blessing is ours. Which means that if you're here today and you're wondering about this, the, the reality is it's yours. If you're here today and you need peace, Christ's peace is yours. If you need love today, Christ's love is yours. If you need mercy today, Christ's mercy is yours. Yeah, you don't have it in and of yourself. There isn't enough peace in Rick to conjure up to deal with the life and the things that I'm in the midst of. But Christ's peace passes all understanding. And it's mine. Christ's love and mercy is yours. Christ's joy is yours. Everything that Christ is, he is to you. And you hold on to him. And we take hold of those blessings, those promises, those gifts by faith one step at a time. Now, as good as Americans, that kind of bums you out, right? Because you're like, I don't want it. Don't. Like if your grandparents left you a big inheritance and they said, listen, I'll give it to you 10 bucks at a time. You're like, no. <laughs> Like, hand me the bag of money. I want it all, and I want it now, and I don't want a letter talking about it. I want the cash in my pockets. 
And yet, we know, we know by, by history, by experience, that if we get more than we can handle, in other words, we're not mature enough, we haven't grown into the ability to handle certain things, certain blessings, certain wealth, like we, we destroy it. it. It's a well-known fact that people who win the lottery, almost a huge number of them end up broke. Like you go from working a really mundane job to winning $250 million because you bought a ticket. And you would think like, you'll, you'll, you'll be okay, right? 250 mil should get you through. And what happens is they, they aren't. They don't know what to do with it. They don't know how to handle it. All of a sudden they got friends that they you know, never knew they had. And whatever, I don't know what happens because in my mind it's like, you're an idiot. And if I had the money, I would totally do it right. That's what you think too. But you wouldn't. <laughs> I mean, if we gave you a bag of money today with 250 million, what would you do with it? You'd be like walking around, staring at everybody. Like, do I put it in my trunk? Do I put it under my bed? Do I just take this to the bank? Like, I'd like to open an account. Boom. What do you do with that kind of money? We don't, I don't know. I haven't been trusted with that kind of promise. <laughs> Thank you, God. Um, But part of this journey is growing into the ability to steward the blessings that God gives us. It's maturing and developing the muscles and the character to handle the inheritance that God has to give you. Most of us play it like the prodigal son. I want my inheritance now. I wish you were dead. And then he takes it all and he squanders it away and parties till it's gone. And then he comes home and he's like, okay, uh, I got a great plan. Maybe dad will hire me. I'll be a servant. Instead of getting a a low-paying job, he gets a ring and a robe and a kiss. And the father hikes up his tunic and runs out to him and says, you're my son. Some of you know that taste of grace. Because you have squandered it. He doesn't say, okay, now I'm going to put you at the bottom rung and we're going to start over. He presses reset and he says, my son, my daughter was dead and is alive, was lost, is now found. We have to celebrate. And tomorrow, we're going to take one more step. Right? We're going to start to walk in the inheritance of what it means to be a son or daughter of God. We do it one step at a time. For the people of Israel, this was really important. It took from the time of Joshua to the time of David to fully possess the land. In fact, God says very specifically, I'm not going to have you take the whole thing because you're not big enough as a people. And it'll get overgrown and it'll be running with wild beasts and they'll devour you. You're going to slowly take the land. And so Joshua, when he gets ready to die, they've taken a large part of the land. There's peace, there's rest, but there's more. And his speech to the people is, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. You decide who you're going to serve, but there is more of God. There's more of this inheritance for you. And we're going to grow into it. 
I want you to believe with all your heart today that wherever you're at on that journey, starting, sitting, in a valley, on a peak, there is another step. There is more that God wants to, to give you. There's more for you to take hold of. And your job and my job is to courageously take that one step of faith each day. Not passive, but obedient. Well, how do we do that? There's three things, three kind of really mandatory things for living this journey out, okay? For those of you who are sitting there today who have lost heart, who've wanted to quit, and, and are starting to believe God has more for you, this is really important. The first is that you would, we would be people who meditate on God's word. He says this over and over to Joshua, right? And Joshua, Joshua's no, no wuss, like he gets it. And yet God is so specific to say over and over, I want you to meditate on this book. I want you to keep it on your lips. I want you to chew on it day and night that your soul and mind and spirit would be, would be able to see who I am and what my promises are and how to walk them out. And that's really the point. For some of you, you go, you know, the Bible, I, I don't touch the Bible. It's confusing. And I got a relationship with Jesus emotionally and spiritually. And, you know, the funny thing is, I like him a lot more than the one in the Bible. Because this one's a lot like me, surprisingly. And uh, he likes what I like. And, you know, when it comes to sin, he's like, ah, not for you. Um, he, he, he's just, he's super chill, and I like that Jesus. And so you don't want anything to do with the Bible. And then others, this other extreme is we take the Bible and we use it to dissect Jesus, and we put him in a box, and we get Jesus right. But there's still not a dynamic faith journey in either of those. Like, I don't need faith to follow Rick. I don't need faith to follow a Jesus that I've made to look like me. I just be me. I don't have to trust anything. And I don't need faith to sit there and dissect God and pretend that I've got him under control and I'm better and because I know more than you. There is a meeting point where all that God has done and has given us gets experienced, gets tasted, gets taken hold of when I act in faith and move towards him. It's, I don't make it happen in some kind of weird health and wealth way, but I am engaging the process because he is involved in a relationship with us. So the first is that we meditate on the word. And, and, and when I say meditate, I mean, first of all, when we come to scripture, we're asking who? Who is this God? What is he like? What, who, who, does, who does he look to? What, how does he respond to injustice? How does he see my sin? What does he say about his children? Like, who is this God? The Bible is revelation of who God is. And the second is what? What are those promises that he's made? What are those things that he's called his people to enjoy and to step into? And the third one is how. How do we live this thing out? What I love about scripture is that the primary genre is narrative, it's story. 
And sure, the people have funny names and they lived at a different time and they dressed whatever, but they all had the same bent heart that you and I have. When you're struggling with, man, I don't know what to do with doubt, open the Bible. There's plenty of people that are, have walked that out. What do I do with grief? What do I do with loss? What do I do with blessing? All those things, all those stories are there and they're there for you. They're there for us to know how do we do this walk of faith. So when we meditate on the scriptures, we're not just trying to get smarter and we're not trying to dumb it down, but we're actually asking God, who are you? And what have you given us and called us to? And how do we live in my present moment? Are you hurting? Are you in a place of grief? Look at the scriptures. There are plenty of people. There's a whole book called Lament, right? That's for you. Wherever you're at today, God's word is going to reveal to you who he is, what he's given you, and how we are to walk it out. And the second piece of that is the Holy Spirit. Look at Ephesians again, chapter 1, verse 13. It says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The Holy Spirit, which shows up all through the book of Ephesians and obviously the New Testament, the Holy Spirit, he says, is one, a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. That means that right now, the Spirit of God was given to you by Christ to fill your life and give you the experience, the taste of these blessings here and now. And it's also the seal that when God looks down and he sees his Holy Spirit in you, he says, you are my possession. You belong to me. And so through the word of God and the spirit of God, which is why I'm excited about this next series, that we grow into faith to follow God, to take hold of that which he took hold of you to give you. So it's the word It's the Spirit, and then it's this thing that he keeps telling Joshua, be strong and be courageous. I mean, Joshua was a stud, in my opinion, right? He was ready to take the land way back when. Now he's 80, and he's going to lead the war. And yet God has to tell him, look, Joshua, be strong and courageous. Hey, by the way, be strong and courageous. One more time. Be strong and actually be very courageous this time. Why does he keep repeating himself to a guy that actually, I give him a good A minus, a solid A, right? Uh, When it comes to faith, he's done well. The reason is this, because faith is the risk of trust in action. Uh, Let me unpack that, okay? It's the risk of trust in action. When he says, you're going to take the walls of Jericho, and here's how to do it. You're going to walk around it, and then you're going to blow the trumpet, and they're going to fall. He's risking his life and the life of these people to be obedient to take that step of faith, 
And when he takes that risk of action, God's promises and his blessings get experienced. But everything that he can see with the eyes of flesh and through this human sphere looks daunting. Even the way that God's called him to walk it out seems ridiculous. But in the eyes of faith, he's going to take one step at a time, risking his heart and trusting in God with action. When you look at the book of Hebrews, which is like the hall of fame of faith, and the writer of Hebrews goes through each person, a whole bunch of people in the Old Testament, and every mark of faith is a verb. What I mean is this. He says, by faith, Abraham, when called to go, went. By faith, Abraham offered Isaac. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob. By faith, Moses refused. By faith, women received. There is always an action or a verb that is following the act of faith. And I think for most of us, many of us in this Western kind of world, like we reduce the word faith to cognitive belief. Like check a box. Do you believe that? Totally, totally. Okay, you ready to march around and blow the trumpets? Uh, no, no, I'm actually, I'd like to believe this a little bit longer before I get up. Um, that's not biblical faith. Biblical faith is that we're going to risk trust in action. That's what we're going to do. Which means if you're sitting there on the sidelines, you, your Bible's been pushed away forever, you come, you go through the motions, but you're not on this journey, then your risk is you're going to get up and you're going to step towards God. Some of you are afraid to trust because life has disappointed you and you're going to take a step of risk and say, God, I believe that you will never leave me, that you will never forsake me. For some of you who have been putting all your trust on that thing, that person, that addiction, you're going to let go of that and you're going to step forward and say, Jesus, today I believe you are enough. All of us have a step of faith that God wants us to take towards him. And that step of faith is an action. It's not just a cognitive thing, it's an action. And to take that step, you need to be very strong and very courageous. And having walked with you as a community for 15 years, we have some of the most courageous and strong people in this church that I've ever met. And in the, the sight of all the giants that you continue to take step after step after step. Times when you fall on your face and you bail and you get up and you get cleansed by Christ and you step again. This is not a time to sit back and think all about the good old days. God has been faithful to us in the past. And he has given us everything in Christ to hope in and today in the present he says I want you to take a step towards me I want you to believe I have more for you and more for us and I don't want you to leave here today 
without taking that step. Without saying to Christ, I believe that you have given me everything in Christ. That his treasures are my treasures. And I take that step of faith to take hold of the promises you've given me. So would you stand with me as the worship team comes? And I just want to pray over us today as a family and as a community. And I want you to be able to to pray this prayer in your heart so that you walk out of here today walking in faith. Maybe just put your hands towards the Lord. Father God, today we come to you. We come to you as prodigals who have squandered our wealth. We come to you as people who have quit, people who have given up, people who have lost hope. And we thank you today, God, that your mercies are new. And that as we confess that before you, we receive your forgiveness. We receive your ring, your robe, your kiss as you name us sons and daughters, forgiven and beloved. And today, God, we confess to you as a body that we believe you have more for Imago Day community. That you have more for us as individuals. And that you have more for your city. God, we believe today that you have given us everything in Christ. And Christ is ours. And so today, God, wherever we are on this journey, We declare to you by faith that we trust you, that we believe in you, and that we will courageously take hold of all that you have for us. I want you to think about that step you need to take today. What is that step? I want you just to tell God in your heart, Father, I choose to obey you. Father, I choose to respond to you. Father, I trust you. Father God, we are so grateful that as the people of God in our time and our place, we have someone who is better than Joshua. We have Jesus, who left his inheritance of heaven to enter our poverty and our wilderness, who would take our sin and our death and exchange it for his life and his grace, who made you, Father, our Father. We thank you, and it's in his name that we praise you, And by faith, we come to this table today to receive your mercy and grace. May we take hold of all the things that you have taken hold of us to give us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We pray that God will use this message to strengthen your faith and draw you into a deeper relationship with himself. If you're interested in hearing other sermons or want more information about the church, please visit our website at www.amagodaycommunity.com. Thanks a lot for listening.